the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Thank you, listeners, for joining me. My name is Rhody Fisher. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being here today with us. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this show today. Bless Sean and Guy, um, if he's here already, um, as well as myself. Go before us, Lord, and, and nudge us as to where, what to say and where to go and what to do today. Father, we just love you so much, and I pray that the words would glorify, that we speak today would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, when I first started uh, this show, and I'm going to go back all the way to f- the first episode, I really thought that I would be on this road with Jesus kind of by myself here every morning um, or, you know, once a week, and then it became twice a week. And then I started to invite my friends, and I think I told you this. And so it's on the road with Jesus, and then I met this friend. So going back to some, you know, some some of my friends over 30 years. And so this is a show that I'm going to do, again, by myself. I was hoping that I could do one show a month by myself, and so this would be it. Anyhow, welcome. I'm going to be in Matthew 6 today. I I wanted to tell you that my family, um, and I, I used to have five brothers and sisters, I mean, four brothers and sisters, and with me it was five, but we get together every um, Sunday, and we call it Halavai, it's a meeting, um, I'm thinking that my sister's probably watching, and I hope I pronounced that perfectly. It's Halavai, H-A-L-A, Halavai. Anyhow, we have Halavai once a week, which is every Sunday night. And we did this partly because of COVID, and we wanted to make sure that we were all getting into the Word and also making sure that we got to say hello to everybody in our family, all in one fell swoop, and it was a way of just kind of connecting with family. So every Sunday, it started like we were doing it every Sunday at 6, and because of everyone's schedule, we start doing it every Sunday at 7 now. Um, But we get together, we pick a scripture or two, or maybe the whole chapter, and we um, talk about it. So we read the scripture, and my sister reads it in Hawaiian. She's fluent, and I or someone else will read it in English. And we sing songs, um, mostly in Hawaiian, Christian songs. And then we also um, kind of dissect the word a little bit. And so it's just our family, brothers, sisters, our spouses, our children, our children's spouses, our, you know, grandchildren. So whoever logs on to Zoom that day is who logs on. And it's really fun for us because it connects us as a family. And then after we kind of go through the word and end in prayer and and maybe even another song or two, we talk about um, just family stuff to get us updated 
Um, but anyhow, this past Sunday, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And so I did want to um, bring that up because there were some things that as I was going through and realizing also that I had to do this show without my guests um, that I really wanted to talk about. So here goes. Um, let me just um, let me just say that I'm going to start with Matthew six one and go all the way to fifteen, which incorporates the Lord's the Lord's prayer. And also, I want to say that I know that we call it the Lord's prayer, but really, it's really the disciples' prayer, or you know, the prayers for the Christians. Um, because honestly, I don't see Jesus praying this prayer. Um, after all, it says, um, forgive them their trespasses as you'll forgive me. Well, Jesus had nothing to be forgiven for, so I don't see that as something that he would be praying. And also, um, the Lord's Prayer, a lot of people think, and I agree, is in John 17, where Jesus did pray that. So this prayer is really a model Um, an example of how we Christians, we believers, the disciples, as they follow Jesus, um, could pray. So um, let's get started. So here we are in chapter 6, verse 1, and it says, Take, Lord, give us understanding of your word. Wait a second. I don't even think I prayed today, did I? I don't think I did. Yeah, I did. Um, But anyhow, Lord, give us understanding of your word. Anyhow, it says here in chapter 6, verse 1, take, and I'm going to go um, all the way to verse 4, and we'll stop and talk a little bit. Take heed that you do not, that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost um, thy arm, alms, not arms, alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou dost arms, um, let thy left hand know, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret, and that thy father, which seeneth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly." I'm sorry, guys. I'm so not with King James. I thought I brought. I brought. I thought I brought the new King James. I apologize. But anyhow, I did want to talk about those four scriptures, and really, what Jesus is saying is, he's giving us an outline of how we really should conduct ourselves as believers. He's giving the disciples a description of how they should behave when when giving alms or doing good deeds or giving, you know, as we say, feed the homeless or give money to the poor. So as a believer, I believe that all of us want to do good works. We want to do something for the Lord, not because we have to, but because we love him and we want to. But In this case, God is telling us when you're giving something, giving alms, giving, doing good works, doing something for me, where is your heart? Where is your heart in this? What is your motive for doing this good deed, this good thing? If your motive is to bring glory to yourself or um, bringing the focus on you, look at what I did then you've gotten your reward. He's really wanting us to do it to bring glory to him. To him, And as I was reading that, I was thinking about the fact that um, sometimes, um, you know, when we are thinking that we're doing good works, um, the thing that I, I thought about was, you know how sometimes they have this telethon going on And they'll say to you, if you call right now and donate, I don't know, just give me a number, $1,000, we will read your name on the air or your name will be scrolled on the bottom here 
and you think to yourself, wow, this is pretty cool. I'll just donate that $1,000 and my name will be on that little crawler at the bottom or on the top of the TV. And maybe you might even tape it so that you could show a bunch of people. I'm just saying, I don't know anybody that's done that. But in, 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 as an example, if you did that for, um, for yourself, it, it really shows what's happening with your heart. Your heart is in the wrong place. You need to take a heart check and see what God would have you do. Maybe he did not want you to give alms there. Maybe he didn't want you to donate there. But if he did and your heart was in the right spot and your name got scrolled on the bottom of the screen, oh, so what? You, your heart was in the right spot. Your heart was really um, trying to give glory to the Lord and, and making sure that you were answering um, you know, what God wanted you to do in that case. So um, in that situation, I think it would be good. A a couple of other things that I thought about how we tend to do things, which kind of looks like we're doing it for ourselves, is I don't know if you've ever been to, say, a a hospital and it's named after some guy. I I don't want to pick on that because maybe that wasn't his decision to put his name on it. But, you know, some rich person that donated a whole bunch of money, and it's a good thing to donate money to a big hospital. But then his name is, like, scrolled right over it. You're now entering into Joe Schmo's wing. Um, But anyhow, um, that would be another way of, you know, kind of pointing to yourself, and here you go. Um, And here's good works, and then you've gotten your reward by um, having then maybe you didn't have anything to do with naming the place after you. But if you did, then your heart would be in the wrong spot. And and also I've seen um, in some of, I would guess, maybe the more traditional churches where you'll have little plaques on the wall, you know, monthly donator of $1,000 a month or something like that. Um, I find that really funny. But, um, yeah, where is your heart when you're doing the work of the Lord. We're, and, and really, he's the one that sees our heart, and he knows exactly where it is. So I would um, do a heart check. Um, I'm thinking that possibly I've fallen into that trap because there's a, there's a fine line, I think, that you walk. I just thought of this. There's a fine line that you walk sometimes. Um, I remember when I was, um, when Mark and I were involved in doing a church planning over in Fullerton, planting, did I say planning? Um, and, you know, there was a lot of work to do. We were setting up chairs in the morning before church or, um, and I even see it at, at Corona Friends, you know, setting up chairs and things like that. But it always seemed as though we didn't have enough volunteers to set up and tear down and put tables up and whatever we had to do. Um, and we're always asking for volunteers and so volunteers seem to be hard to get, and then you finally get them there, and then you've got to worry about where your heart is. I, I know that feels kind of strange, but it all kind of goes together. So possibly I've maybe sometimes begrudgingly did the work of God, or sometimes even um, did, did it for man's glory. So we gotta, we've got to really watch that. Um, okay, let's see where we are here. So let's go to um, verse 5. And again, that's Matthew 6, verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shall not be as a hypocrite are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say to you, they have their reward. So here it is again. Um, If you're doing it for the wrong motive, then you've got your reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray so the Father which is in secret and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. So it says, it's saying here that um, get into that secret place with God. Get into that prayer closet or that room that you can shut the world out. So it'll be you and God praying, 
or even when you're at church, um, you know, pray quietly. Just let it be between you and God. I mean, unless you're in, you know, a prayer meeting and it's open prayer and everybody takes a turn, that's a little bit different. Although it could be, it could be for man too. I mean, I've been in prayer meetings where um, some people go extra long. You know what I mean, Sean? It's like, my goodness, when are they going to stop? We've only got an hour here. <laughs> and they've been on for 15 minutes. But, you know, there's, there's, um, there's always that fine line that you have to walk. And in this case, I was thinking about the fact that my previous husband, when I would get in bed at night, I would grab my Bible that was under my pillow, and I would sometimes read, not loud, but kind of whispering. So this poor guy who didn't know the Lord would hear it and maybe accept the Lord. Or I'd say, hey, Walt, listen to this. And then I'd share something, and he'd go, okay, you're done? And um, and he finally said to me after years of doing that, you know, we've got that big walk-in closet. I really would like for you to read the Bible in there. And at first, I was upset. I thought, what? No way I'm going to do that. I'll just not read it in bed. But then I went into the closet, and I had my little stool, and it was really a great place. I mean, I could read out loud. Nobody could hear me. The clothes absorbed all the noise. And it really did shut the world out. And often when I prayed, I could pray out loud. I could sing to the Lord in my closet. And it was just him and me. And I began to really enjoy that, that time with the Lord. And when we moved from there, I really missed my little closet that I had. And so God is really saying here, don't be like the hypocrites. And I I do want to say a couple of things about, um, you know, he's talking to the, the, the disciples at this time. And at the time, I believe that the Jewish people wore those really nice head coverings and I think they call them prayer shawls. There's a name for that, but I don't what it. I don't know what it is. If Carrie were here, he would remind me of the name. But um, you know, it's got the tassels on the bottom, and it goes completely over their head. And what they would do is they would actually kind of make that their prayer closet and pull their um, their shawl over their head to pray. And and so, can you even picture? Um, and the other thing is, the Jewish people at the time would pay, pray three times a day, and they'd rush to the synagogue to do that. And I think it was at nine o'clock in the morning, at twelve o'clock, and at three o'clock. So you could picture some of these Jewish people racing to the synagogue with their prayer shawl over their head and some of them might I'm just gonna take a risk here some of them might even stall and get caught outside the synagogue and here it is it's time to pray so it says here that um, they're in the streets or the synagogue why are they in the street well when that time is has come to pray they conveniently might be out in the street with their little prayer shawl on and they've got to start praying. And they do. And so God is saying here, Jesus is saying here, um, don't be like the hypocrites. And what are hypocrites? Um, Well, we all kind of know what hypocrites are, but in those days they were actors. And so they were acting holy. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but, you know, I think to myself, I can point fingers at me at times that I look, try to act holy, but I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of a lot of this stuff, and I, I really need to apologize to the Lord. But 
you know, here are these Jewish people getting caught outside the synagogue with their prayer shawls, and they're praying out loud because that's what you did when you said your prayers. And so um, he's saying, don't be like these actors acting (laughs) holy, acting like they're so special, have this really special walk with the Lord um, on the corners of the streets that they might be seen of men. And I'm sure people are thinking, wow, look at Joseph over there, how holy he is. He is praying right there. Look at, look at him. And, and so in that case, they've got their reward. And I remember um, when we went on the subway years ago with our kids and Walter, um, my previous husband, we would see some of these Jewish men. It was time to pray, and they had their prayer books in their hands, and they would be praying out loud. Um, I don't know if that was the way they did things. Um, and, you know, they have their little hats and their little scrolly things on the side of their head. Um, and they would, it, it was time to pray, and they would pray. I mean, I don't really see a problem with that um, because they're caught at that time, but but let's look at their heart. I guess this is what Jesus is saying. Don't be like these people. Um, and it says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So all that hard work that you might be doing, passing out food to the homeless, um, getting, you know, writing that big check to um, a needy, you know, I don't know, 700 Club or whatever it is, just to see your name up there or wherever, really do a heart check. And I I say that to me too. Um, God doesn't want us to do it for the wrong motives. We need to do it in love for him. Okay. Um, Let me go to um, verse 7. But when you, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for much speaking. Therefore, not ye before, I'm sorry, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you even ask him. Well, when when I read that, I think of vain repetition as, you know, um, I you know I remember when I was a kid, we, my parents would ask us to pray over the food, and um, we used to race through that prayer because we wanted to get to the food, and. I don't know, maybe that was vain repetition because we always said, um, we used to pray it in Hawaiian and we would race through as fast as we could and it was a blessing over the food. And uh, the way it went was, I mean, we said it so fast that my mother would sometimes slow us down just so that we could mean it, you know? Vain repetition. Um, also, I wanted to mention um, before in in verse six, and I read it before this, before I read seven and eight. Um, I'll just tell you this funny story. When we were doing our hal- halavai on Sunday, this past Sunday with the family, my brother John. And and we did it on we do it on Zoom so we can see each other and that's the purpose that we do it so that we can see each other, and we're in several states all of us. Um, my sister and her family are in Hawaii, and there's uh, you know my brothers and and I are here in California, and 
our families are here. And also, um, we have a niece that chimes in, and she's in, um, Liana is in, um, in, in Colorado. So it's so great to see all of us, you know, and, hey, how are you, you know, and giving the shaka sign and um, things like that. So it's really fun to see everybody. But I was thinking about my brother because he was trying to um, be on with us, and his house was a little noisy. So he literally was in his closet. And so when we got to this verse and we read it, um, we were laughing because we could see his clothes. And he usually doesn't go into the closet, so we thought it was really funny that it says here in 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And we said to John, we go, John, you're already there, so you're good to go. So it might be just a family joke, but I thought I would mention that. But also vain repetition. You know, um, sometimes as we pray this Lord's Prayer, it could be vain repetition. Um, God wants us to pray with our hearts, mean it in our hearts. Um, It's all about a heart thing with him. So whatever the prayer is that we've memorized, um, and also, you know, that prayer that you say over your food, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this food, amen. Well, that's kind of, um, you know, asking a blessing over it, and that's kind of what we teach our kids to pray. But after a while, it becomes vain repetition. So we really need to be careful of that. So um, in verse 9, it says here, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. So God is saying to us, Jesus is saying, this is how I want you to pray. Um, and, and again, it's a model. Uh, a lot of us have memorized this. It is just a model. It's okay to pray it. I know that um, I've heard miracles where some people have been in a bad situation, and because they've memorized this verse as a child or this prayer as a child, you know, I I recall somebody saying, um, this was on the news, that there was a burglar coming into their home, and the only thing they knew how to do was pray this Lord's Prayer. And God rescued them so uh, that's not vain repetition it's calling out to the Lord and thank God they hid this prayer in their heart so God is just saying here this is a model and it says here our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name Um, I just wanted to speak on one thing here our father I find it interesting that Jesus is using the word our, the pronoun our. And if you read this whole prayer, it's all plural. Our Father, um, and it goes down, our daily bread forgives us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I find it interesting, and I was just talking to my friend, um, Theria, this morning, that throughout this whole prayer, Jesus is saying, pray in a manner like this. And all the pronouns are plural. And so I'm thinking that God is really saying to us, When we pray this prayer, could it be that we're also praying for the body of Christ, other believers throughout the world? Our Father, which art in heaven. And, you know, can you think of your believer friends? I was thinking of all those friends we left behind in Turkey. Um, that need this prayer when we pray it. And we can think of them. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. 
and it is holy. But how simple it is that we can call him Father, Abba, you know, our dad. Because only a child could call God their father. So you really have to be a follower of Jesus, a follower of the Lord, to call him our father, which art in heaven. Holy is your name. I I, I do want to say another thing about um, the Jewish people. You know, um, they were so, they felt that God's name was so holy. Yahweh is what we say. And, but the Jewish people didn't add those vowels. It was just the consonants. And as they wrote the name down in the scroll, if they had to rewrite the scroll, they literally threw that pen away when they were done writing his name, changed their clothes, and started again writing the rest of the scroll. And every time they came upon God's name, they were they felt that he was so holy. They they did that again. They threw that pen away. They you know wrote again with you know a new pen. Um, and we can really go overboard with that. He is holy. We want to not forget that. But we also want to know that he's approachable. He's approachable enough that we can call him Father. Um, not only Yahweh. Not only God, not only Lord, but we can call him our dad, Abba, Father. So um, holy is his name. And, you know, uh, okay, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we really want the heavenly things here while we're here. Thy kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So obviously that's the forgiveness that we want to ask everybody. Get ask God to forgive us for all the things that we've done against everyone, um, against him. Um also if we haven't made peace with some of the people that we've st- stepped all over or you know whether it was mistake or on purpose um, we want to ask them for forgiveness too so forgive us our debts forgive us our sins forgive us for the things that we've done wrong against God and against others as we forgive those who you know who trespass against us um, I I was also thinking about so often when I'm praying, I just want to get to the bottom of what I need. Um, you know, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill, but somehow, some way, you've got to bring in the money and take care of this. Okay, in Jesus' name, amen. I, I, I'm guilty of just getting right to the bottom line and you know I have to remember that he is our father and he is holy and yet you know there's sometimes that as you pray you just have to get right to it also um, I was thinking about how sometimes I and I'm guilty of this sometimes when I'm praying I want to tell God all about it like he doesn't know. You know, I want to spell it all out. Give him all the nitty-gritty details. You know, Lord, you remember yesterday so-and-so did this to me? You saw what they did, right? Well, you know, you got, God doesn't need that, and we often feel like we have to tell him. And then oftentimes, as we're praying, not only do we want to tell him the before, uh, the, uh, this, you know, the the, the thing that happened, <clears throat> but we want to tell him how to fix it. And, you know, it would be so great, Lord, if you could just do it this way or, you know, do it that way. I feel like I'm going to cough. Hang on. Sorry about this. Wow, this has never happened to me before. I hope I can finish. Let me drink some more water. Sorry about this, people. Maybe you can mute me so I can cough. I think so. 
I don't know. Okay. So we're almost to the end of this prayer. Okay, it says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So um, lead us not into temptation. Um, We've all been there, and we've all need to ask the Lord to help us as we um, walk through this journey with him. Um, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It's through him that we get that um, power to stay away from temptation. So I do want to talk about one other thing with this prayer. And I mentioned um, <clears throat> I mentioned how all these are pronouns in here and how it's our Father who art in heaven. It's give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. <clears throat> and that is, it's not the first time that we're talking about a pronoun request in a prayer or um, a situation. And I want to take you to Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Um, <clears throat> Nehemiah is right after Ezra. And we're going to go to chapter 1, verse 3. I'm sorry, yeah, verse 3. And they said unto me, the remnants that are left of the captor. Okay, Nehemiah um, is one of the minor prophets. He's, um, he's you know, talking about the men of Judah. But let, let, anyhow, let's just go right into it. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity are there in the province um, and are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also is is broken down, and the gates thereof burn with fire. And it came to pass that when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before God, the, before the God of heaven, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord of heaven, the great and ter- terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments let thy ear now be attentive and their eyes open that thou may hear the prayers of thy servant which i pray before thee now day and night for the children of israel thy servants and i confess the sins of the children of israel which we have sinned against thee both I and my father's house have sinned. So this is just a prayer that he's incorporating others. Um, <clears throat> we have dealt very corruptly against thee. We have and have not kept the commandments, nor the statues, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, um, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet I will gather them from hence, and I will bring them into the place I have chosen to set my name there. So I I was just using that as a prayer that Nehemiah had where he um, was using the pronouns they, them, they, our. Um, and And so for us to say that in this prayer, in, you know, our Father, even when we're saying this prayer by ourselves and not corporately, because corporately you could understand that um, a whole church might be saying this prayer and it's everyone there. But really, I do think that the intent that God had here, that Jesus is saying to the disciples, our Father, 
as we pray this, we need to be thinking. Um, in, in Nehemiah's case, he's thinking of the children of Israel. And in, in this case, we need to think of the believers all over the world. Whether you know someone in another country or in another state or whatever, or if you have seen, you know, or have heard of other people that are there, think about those other people when you're praying this prayer and incorporate them and remember them in this prayer. It's, it's, um, it's really kind of awesome to think about, right? And, and so I, I did want to share that with you. And also, I, I wanted to say a couple of other things about my family and I getting together every Friday, I mean, Sunday night. Um, we kind of do it like a church uh, service, except in a very, very, very casual way. Um, <clears throat> we pick a couple of songs. We, you know, we open up in prayer, and we already know what verses we're going to be talking about. Um, it's open to anybody that wants to pick the scriptures, uh, but it's usually my sister. But we open up in prayer, then we sing a couple of songs out of the Hawaiian hymnal and and end with a couple of songs. And sometimes we do sing a song in English, um, but I like it in Hawaiian because it kind of reminds me of what I did as a kid. And And then we just talk about the scriptures very, very naturally. And I love that because it feels like you know, you're just sitting around with a group of your friends talking about the word. And there's a scripture that says, um, come, let us reason together. And I need to think about where that scripture is, but um, let us reason together. And that that's really kind of splitting the word up, seeing what God would have to say to each one of us and and seeing how that works out for each one. I know that each one of us have gone to church and while we're there, we're hearing the same pastor, the same words, the same songs, but oftentimes I leave there with different things that God has spoken to me about than what my husband has heard and we're in the same service. So we really glean from each other and the other thing I like about this that we do every um, Sunday night is, you know, the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. And this is really what we're doing. Iron sharpening iron. We're, we're giving where we can. We're taking where we can, where we need to. And <clears throat> my friend Theria likes to say, give me some iron. Like, I need iron. And, yeah, that's what it is. It's just kind of dividing the Word of God, you know, speaking the Word of God, speaking God's Word into our children, grandchildren, sisters and brothers. Um, it's really a time of fellowship. And yet, um, I, I, I just really love it. It's one of my favorite things. Also, because of COVID, it's allowed us to get closer as a family because we see them online every single Sunday. Um, so maybe this would encourage you to do the same thing with your families, or maybe you don't have time. And sometimes when we're doing this, three hours have gone by. It's like, really? What did we have to say here? Or at least over two hours. But anyhow, um, the Word of God, splitting the Word of God, reading the Word of God with family members. The, the Word of God washes us. It cleanses us. It grows us. It breathes life into us. It's a living Word of God. So I would encourage you to do that um, too, if you want to, or... Um, or maybe just between you and your husband or um, your, you and your children, 
if you um, can't um, do it with, you know, through Zoom. But it's so much fun. <clears throat> anyway, thank you for listening. I do want to um, talk to those that are out there that have not made a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you've memorized the Lord's Prayer and know it, but you've walked away from um, church, your church family, or walked away from God and would like to accept the Lord today as your Lord and Savior. Uh, maybe you haven't heard about Jesus in such a way that you would think that he is your Savior, but today um, something that you might have heard would resonate or the Lord might be speaking to you as to um, accepting him as your Savior. I know that um, I fought him for quite a while. I grew up in a church family, a Christian home, and so it was commonplace for hear about for hearing about Jesus and um, following the Lord. I heard that every day. Um, we were a tr fa family that prayed all the time. As a matter of fact, at night before bed, my mother would walk by each of our bedrooms to remind us to pray before we went to bed. So, but maybe you don't come from a family like that. And by the way, I rejected that all the time. I acted like I was part of the church, part of you know the family. But no, I didn't believe any of that until I moved away and God spoke to me. But maybe you're that person, maybe you're not. But today would be the day of salvation for you. I would implore you to repeat after me if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior. And if you do, just um, follow my words. And, you know, I think I've mentioned before, there's no magic in this. It's not a magical prayer. It's, again, look God looking at your heart. And if you really mean it, then he sees that you're, you're, this is a commitment you're making for sure. Also, it's a matter of repentance. So it's not just inviting Jesus into your heart, but it's saying to Jesus, not only am I going to follow you, but all this other stuff, you're going to have to help me with the stuff that I am doing that's not of you. And I just want to be more like you and forget this old stuff. So that's really what you're saying when you're committing yourself to Jesus and becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to say this little prayer, and I would love it if you could follow me and mean it with your heart. <clears throat> Dear Lord, you know that I'm a sinner and you know, Lord, that today I want to commit my life to you. Jesus, I ask you to cleanse my heart of all the sins of the past, present, and future. And as things have gotten so crazy in this world, I, I just want to follow you to make sense of my life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And on the third day you rose from the dead and ascended bodily into heaven. You did that for me, Lord. And I accept you today as my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you and walk with you daily. Remind me to read your word every day and help me to find a really good church that I could learn more about you. Surround me with people that know you and love you so that I can have iron sharpening iron in my life too. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
So if you've said that prayer and meant it with your heart, I would ask you to either call into the station, This Is Hope Radio, or you can go online on www.ontheroadwithjesus, and road is R-H-O-D-E, and email me and let me know that you've made a commitment to Jesus. If you'd like a Bible or would like for us to help you find a church, leave that in your notes as well, and we'll send you a Bible and um, help you on your walk with Jesus. So for everyone else, I want to just thank you for, well, for everyone that's joined us today. Just want to thank you for joining us, and God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.